you might think, well, this series isn't for me because I'm not sad. Like, I'm not, I'm not, like, life is good. I don't really have anything to be grieving. I don't, ha- I don't have any losses or huge disappointments in my life. Like, everything's good. And, and for you, to, to you, I would say, uh, well, three things. One, I'm, I'm happy for you, genuinely. I'm happy that your life is good right now. Two, it's only a matter of time. And I'm not saying that to try to scare you, but it is. You live long enough, you will experience significant loss. You live long enough and you will experience heartache, all right? And then the third thing is, is if, if you're not in a season of struggle and sorrow, chances are someone in your life is. So for you to be able to pay attention, to hear what it is they might be going through, and maybe even hear how you can come alongside and care for them well. So I'd encourage you to, to uh, engage with this. And so on that note, I'm going to say a prayer for us as we dive into God's word this morning. Would you pray with me? Father, we come to you today and we ask for your help. For some of us this morning, God, our, our grief and our sorrow, our broken hearts are too much. They're too much for us to hold. It's too much for us to navigate. We don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. It feels overwhelming to us. God, for others of us, we've had grief and loss. Maybe we forgot about it. Maybe we've been really great at, at ignoring it and stuffing it down. God, my prayer for all of us today and over the next three weeks is that you, God, would minister to our hearts in a special way. That you, God, would, would bring healing to these deep wounds in our souls. So God, we invite you to that work in our lives. It's in your good and powerful name we pray. Amen. All right. Now, if you were completely unfamiliar with the Bible, if you've never read it before, if you had never been to church, if you'd never heard a sermon before, how would you fill in the blank of this statement? Blank are those who mourn. Chances are you would fill in this blank with things like sad are those who mourn. Pitiful are those who mourn. Cursed are those who mourn. Depressed. How would, you, how would you fill in this blank? Blank are those who mourn. Here it is in Matthew chapter 5. Jesus says these words. He says, blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who mourn. What does this mean? Blessed means happy, highly favored, like, blessed, like you are favored when you mourn. You are happy when you mourn. And we, we look at this and we go, wait a second, Jesus, this is totally backwards. Like, do you know what you're talking about here? Like, let's be honest. What do you mean blessed are those who mourn? This is totally backwards. What in the world do you mean, Jesus? I don't feel blessed. I feel cursed. I feel cursed. In fact, this pain that I'm going through is so heavy. It, it hurts so badly. It cuts so deeply. What in the world do you mean blessed? I feel anything but blessed. I look at my life. I look at the last season. I look at this significant loss. I look at whatever it might be. And Jesus, how in the world can you say that I'm blessed when I'm mourning these significant losses in my life? It hurts. Have you ever wondered why does loss have such huge impact on us? You ever thought about that? Like, like, why do certain losses have such huge impact on us? Why can't we just, like, 
forget about it. Like erase it off a chalkboard. Like why can't we just sort of walk away like water off a duck's back, the old saying, right? Like why can't we just let it go? Why does it have such huge impact? I think the answer is, is in the idea of who we are as human beings. Because here's the thing is that loss scratches on that wound deep within every human being, that wound that, that we weren't created for this, that we weren't created for loss and disappointment. It's not how it was intended to be. And then you look at the big losses in our life, like the death of a loved one, the death of a spouse, the death of a child, like the horrific nightmares that come into reality. Like we weren't created for this. Death is fundamentally opposed to what you and I were created for. Did you know that? That's why it hurts so deeply. Whether someone is a believer in Christ or not, they know that there's something wrong with death. They know that there's something fundamentally wrong. There, there's something opposed to who we were supposed to be, that who we were supposed to be created for. And, and it hurts deeply. In fact, it hurts so bad that we'll do whatever we can to ease the pain. In fact, as a culture, we are terrible at mourning. Not just mornings, like AM. I mean, we're terrible at that too, but we're terrible at mourning, aren't we? We are. We're just terrible at mourning. We don't know how to do it well. Pete Scazzaro, author of Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, a really amazing book. Check it out if you haven't yet. He says this, our culture routinely interprets loss as an alien invasion that interrupts our normal lives. We numb our pain through denial, blaming, rationalizations, addictions, and avoidance. Or we search for spiritual shortcuts around our wounds. Isn't it weird that there's this sort of stigma around sorrow, especially in church world. Like you might've heard some of these things, the, the, this, the stigma around sorrow, that sorrow is unchristian. Have you ever heard something like that? Maybe not directly, but maybe sort of roundabout sort of way, right? And it comes around in ways like this. Don't be sad, be strong. Don't be sad, just pray more. Like the Bible tells us to rejoice in all situations. I know you're sad, but you're supposed to find it within you to rejoice. I mean, we just did a whole series called When Life Gives You Lemons through the book of Philippians that is about that whole idea that we're supposed to just pray more, that we're supposed to rejoice, that, that, that being sad, there's this idea, this, this unhealthy idea that being sad is unchristian. And I just want to correct our thinking a little bit. You see, God gave you your emotions, God gave you all of your emotions, and in and of themselves, at their purest point, they're, they're not either good or bad, that they're there to signal something, that they're there to, to point to something that's, that's wrong, that, that being sad is not unchristian. In fact, Rich Velotis, pastor and author, he says this, the same Bible that tells us to rejoice always has an entire book called Lamentations. We don't have to choose one from the other. Good, healthy Christian faith is non-dualistic, able to hold multiple tensions together. Here's the thing. You know the book of Psalms, 150 chapters? Two-thirds of the book of Psalms is lament. Raw, 
unfiltered, crying out to God in sorrow. It's there. We can be sad. We can have deep sorrow. It's okay to not be okay. And so as we look at this idea of sorrow, there's, there's this framework that might help us. There's this framework that might give us some orientation because sorrow itself is so disorienting. And you might have heard about it. It's called the five stages of grief. Now, these stages are not linear, okay? They're not clean, as clean cut as, they, as they're going to appear on the screen. But, but these stages help us. They, they give us a lens to start to understand our grief process, okay? Here's the five stages of grief. Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. So let me run through each of these just real briefly, okay? Denial, it sounds really bad, but it's actually not bad. It doesn't have to be bad. Denial is a, is a, is a protection for us. It's a defense mechanism that when we hear really terrible news that our brains are not, uh, not capable of processing heavy, terrible stuff. Like when, when your nightmare comes true, our brain kicks in in order to defend ourselves, in order to protect us, and we start to deny it. Now, denying isn't usually like, oh, that didn't happen. It can be that. But sometimes denying looks like distracting ourselves or shoving it down or ignoring it. In fact, I've been with a family several years ago. I was with a family who heard the most horrifying news that uh, parents could hear. And the mom got up from the couch, went to the kitchen, and started putting the dishes away. And I sat there in disbelief, and I thought, oh my goodness, you should be crying, you should be weeping, like this is terrible news. But what she was doing, what was happening in her, she didn't even realize, is that she was protecting herself. Her brain was protecting herself. You see, denial isn't bad, but we can get stuck there. We can get stuck in denial. It can also lead to habits that are unhealthy, addictions that are unhealthy. It can lead to us trying to medicate ourselves. So denial isn't necessarily bad, but it can quickly lead to bad things. The next uh, stage is anger. And this is just what it sounds like. You, you, you become angry. I mean, who knew that the emotion of grief and sorrow and mourning and all those things were, were so complicated with so many other emotions? Right? I mean, it's so easy when you're in a season of sorrow to feel other things like anger and fear and regret, right? I mean, just this rage. And you can be angry at anything. You can be angry at other people. You can be angry at yourself. You can be angry at the world. You can be angry at God. This is a, a step in our healing of, of grief. The next stage is called bargaining. This is where we rationalize it. This is where we over-spiritualize it. Right? Rationalizing it is something like, oh, you know, I know, uh, he's, he, he, I know I lost him, but man, look at all the good things that came from his death. Again, it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad stage, but that's what it is, right? Is that we, we try to, to start making sense of the loss we had. Or we can also over-spiritualize it here, right? And you might have heard things like, well, she was so perfect that God needed another angel, Right? Like, those are all meant to be helpful. They're usually not helpful, in case you're wondering if you should say that to somebody. 
They're usually not helpful, but that's us in the bargaining stage. That's us trying to make sense. It's trying to, to put the, the dots together in our mind about this loss that doesn't make sense. The next stage is depression. Now, this is a scary stage because we, we don't know if we're going to ever come out of that. Oftentimes, we get stuck in the bargaining stage because the depression stage looks too scary. Because it's in the depression stage where we feel, without over-spiritualizing it, without rationalizing it, without denying it, that we feel the depth of the weight of our loss. It's painful place. It feels permanent. It's disorienting. But it's necessary. It's necessary if we are to grieve our losses. And the final stage is acceptance. And this is simply where you, you're not over it. Okay, don't hear me wrong. You're not getting over this loss. If someone ever tells you to, that you'll get over it soon, don't believe them. It's not true. Those scars remain. Those scars will be there for the rest of your life. But the acceptance stage is when you learn to live in the new normal. The acceptance stage is where you're like, okay, this is life now. Over time, I can find some healing. Over time, the emotional response is not going to be as drastic as it was at the beginning. But as I learn to accept it and as I learn to live my life in this new normal, I'm actually moving forward. Is there one of those stages that resonates with you right now? Are you in one of those stages? Is, is there one that as I was talking about it, you're like, oh, that's where I'm at. So back to that verse that, that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5. I only read the first half. There's more to it. Matthew chapter 5 Verse 4, he says this, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now, I just want to point out, it doesn't say, blessed are those who stuff it down. Blessed are those who ignore it. Blessed are those who medicate it. Blessed are those who rationalize it. Blessed are those who over-spiritualize it. Blessed are those who avoid it. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who embrace the sting of their grief. Blessed are those who, as counterintuitive as it may feel, actually turn toward the pain of their loss. Blessed are those who embrace the pain for they will be comforted. Here's the thing. Unless we fully grieve our losses, we will never find true healing. Unless we fully grieve our losses, we will never find true he healing. And when we avoid our pain, we avoid our healing. So what does that look like for you? What does that look like for you to take a step toward healing? a step toward embracing it instead of avoiding it. What does that look like for you? Psalm chapter 23 is a beautiful chapter. It's a, it's a popular chapter. It's, it's read a lot in, at funerals and, and everywhere else. You, you've probably heard it before, but I'm just going to read the first few verses of Psalm 23. It says this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters and he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you 
are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You see, the phrase I want to focus on is the phrase that we named this series after called Through the Valley. Through the Valley. What is the valley? The valley is that deep shadow, that, that thick darkness, that disorienting place, that, that terrible view. It's, it's isolating. Like whenever you're in a valley, you, never, you, you always look up to the mountaintops and say, man, I want to get up there, don't we? I want to get up there so I can see. Down here, I can't see. Down here, I'm surrounded. Down here, I'm small. Down here, it's terrifying. Down here, there's, there's no escape. I, I'm sort of enclosed by this valley. That's what he's talking about. Through the valley, the valley of pain, the valley of grief, the valley of mourning. And, and as you look textually at this chapter, now, some of you might not have, have noticed this, um, but, but what are the verbs that David uses in this chapter so far, right? He, he starts off with saying, like, you, you cause me to lie down in green pastures. You, you guide me, and, and you restore me, and you, you lead me. So when we get to this, path, this part of, uh, of going through the valley, it would make sense that he would use a verb like that, like guide me or lead me. Like even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will guide me. But he doesn't use that word, right? I mean, that's what we pray often, right? God, guide my steps. God, give me clarity. God, tell me what to do. God, show me where to go next. God, God, give me some sort of orientation about where I'm supposed to go and what I'm supposed to be doing. But he doesn't use a verb like guide. What does he say? He says, I will not fear for you are with me. You're with me. You're alongside me. You're beside me. You're, you're next to me. You're near me. You're present to me. You, we are together that you are close and your rod and your staff, they comfort me protecting me and, and leading me. This beautiful image of God as our shepherd, kind and compassionate, not running away from the sheep when things are hard, that he's right there with us. I mean, how good is that? Because here's the thing, grief and sorrow, and some of you know this right now, this is your, this is your reality, grief and sorrow are so isolating, Right? Grief and sorrow, there's something so naturally isolating about it because as much as people will say, I know how you feel, really nobody really does, right? When, when you're in the season of grief and sorrow, it's almost like you're speaking a different language. And even when you try to express your grief and sorrow to someone else, they don't fully grasp it. There's something just naturally isolating about it. And how good is it to know that God is with us in the valley. It may not feel like it. In fact, that might be a question on our minds. Like, God, have you left me too? Like everybody else has left me. Nobody else understands. Have you left me too? Are you waiting on the other side? Are you just kind of rooting me on? Are you just waiting for me to kind of get through this on my own? No, he is with me. He is right beside me walking each step of the way. And so when I get lost in the valley, he's with me. When I'm frustrated in the valley, he's with me. When everyone else has left you in the valley, he's with you. When no one, under, when, when no one else understands you, he, he's with you. When you're overwhelmed, when your soul faints, when the darkness is so dark, the God of the universe is with you. You see, in the valley, there's an opportunity to experience God 
unlike any other situations. In the valley, God is there. And he's with you. Now, we still try hard, don't we, to do whatever we can to avoid the valley. No, Jesus, it's okay. I know you're, you're going to be with me in the valley, but I'm going to stay up here where it's nice, where I got a nice view, like uh, where I can, you know, do what I want. Like I'm not scared. Like I'm not going to, I'm going to stuff that down. I'm going to ignore it. God, I know that you're, you're with me in the valley, but I'm going to do whatever I can. Like I, I promise, God, I'm going to read my Bible more. I'm going to, I'm going to pray more. I'm going to serve more. Like I'm going to show up to church more often. Like, please, I don't want to go into the valley. I may not make it out. But when we avoid the valley, we avoid his comfort. When we avoid the valley, we avoid his comfort. So where are you at in your sorrow? Is it fresh? Is it still bleeding? Has that wound scabbed over but never really healed? Have you stuffed it down? Have you ignored it? What would it look like for you to just take a step forward? To just simply take a step forward, to pull it out from wherever it's been buried, to take a deep breath and in faith, take a step. Here's one practical step that anybody can do for any type of loss is simply make a list. This may seem simple. This may seem kind of uh, elementary, but it's super helpful. In fact, making a list in and of itself is a step toward healing. Make a list of all of your losses. Be specific. Take your time. And don't just... What was that? A light. Okay. It was God. Okay. He's telling us to make a list. All right. Okay. So we're making a list. We're being specific. We're not just uh, saying general things like, I lost my grandpa. But we're saying specific things like, I lost time sitting on the porch having conversations with my grandpa, right? I, I lost my grandpa being at my wedding. I lost, uh, I lost my grandpa being able to call him and ask for advice. Like, be specific. And then count the cost. What are the costs of those losses? Make a separate column and start to count the cost of those losses. This will be super helpful for you in your season of grief. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you today and we thank you that you are with us all the time, even in those darkest valleys. God, even when the loss, the sorrow, the, the grief, the pain, the mourning is so difficult and overwhelming, God, you promise that you will never leave us, you will never forsake us, and that in those dark valleys, you will comfort us. So God, we, we need your comfort today. God, we need your healing today. God, we need to know your presence today. So we thank you for it. God, thank you that you are that kind of God who doesn't run away when things are hard. God, you don't leave it up to us to figure it out, but that you enter into the valley with us. I mean, what kind of God does that? God, you are so kind, loving, and compassionate to us. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If today you have placed your faith 
in God, maybe for the first time, maybe you are at a place of trying to decide whether to follow him or not or believe in him or not, I would encourage you to text the name Jesus to the number on the screen and a real life person will be in touch with you and talk with you about what that looks like to follow Jesus. Every weekend, we, we spend time focusing on the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. We spend time remembering his death on the cross with the little cup of juice and bread that you have. And today, as we prepare ourselves to remember, we're going to have some verses scrolling on the screen. And I would encourage you either to just read through these verses to yourself, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you through these verses, or simply close your eyes and reflect on what God might be doing with you in your season of of grief and sorrow. And so as these verses scroll, let's allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us today.